0: There have been teachers that I've talked to that went into like grueling software engineer coding boot camps. and they said there were men who were backing out after like the second week just saying, like, this is too challenging. It's too hard for me to learn it. And the software engineer, former teacher that I talked to said it was nothing compared to how
1: challenging being a third grade teacher was. Welcome to How to. I'm Amanda Ripley. It's hard to quit a job, but it's even harder to quit a calling. A job that's more than a job. One that a lot of people see as an act of service or sacrifice. Like being a first responder, or a nurse, or a teacher. Last week we introduced you to two of our listeners, Sarah and Amy, who are at their wits end when it comes to teaching. We brainstormed together how we as a country could make their professions stronger and more resilient. Which, even if it happens, let's face it, it's going to take time. So today we're going to talk about how to leave, even when people tell you not to. Here's Amy, who left this voicemail on the how-to hotline. Hi,
2: I've been an educator in the public school sector for four years now, and I don't know if you've been watching the news, but with all the teacher burnout and the way they're treating teachers, I'm trying to transition out of education but our whole lives we've trained and certified for education that we don't really know how to transition out. So I was wondering if you guys had any ideas or skills or something that helps us just transition out, because I'm beyond the point of burnout. Thanks. The voicemail just sounds, I sound very strung out. <laughs> I mean... Background, I'm actually driving home at, like, 9 o'clock or 9.30 at night after working from, like, 6 a.m. to 9.
1: (gasps) Oh, wow. (laughs) So you left us this voicemail while you were driving home after 15 hours? Yeah, close. Amy's a high school English teacher who, as you heard, is beyond the point of burnout. Whereas Sarah, our other teacher, isn't really burned out. She's more bored. Here's how she put it in her email to us. Good afternoon.
3: I know you've done a lot of career-related episodes lately, which is good because it is what the people want, like me. I want to know how to leave teaching. I teach now. It's fine. But after 12 years, I want to do something new. Problem is, education is one of those jobs where you just stay put. I mentioned casually to a coworker recently that I was maybe going to leave teaching, and she laughed and said, but where would you go to write an email to a podcast, apparently. (laughs) There are many educators who, like me, want to do something new or find public education a toxic and unrewarding place to work. Many of us, however, can't even wrap our minds around what else we could possibly do. Moreover, I'm stuck with the idea that getting some clickety-clack job will be so unfulfilling and not contributing to the public good that I'll regret my choice forever. So I figured I'd ask the podcast. Thanks for your consideration. Back to grading essays on spring break. Bunch of exclamation points.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That was awesome. Can you relate, Amy? Yes, I can relate wholeheartedly. Our favorite adjective was (laughs) (laughs) clickety-clack. (laughs)
3: <laughs> My spouse has a the clack job that, like, both seems awesome, and I'm like fire well, just on spreadsheets all the time. And I think it just sums up the idea that I don't know what people do. Yeah. Besides, you know, yeah, like
1: it's a good question. Like nurse
3: and firefighter and postman. And um, engineer. Like those are the only titles I know. <laughs> yeah. Doctor.
1: Right? Yeah. Back in 2016, our expert Daphne Gomez felt the exact same way that Amy and Sarah feel now, and so. This former teacher did what most of us do when we don't know what to do. She started Googling, trying to figure out which jobs teachers would be most qualified to do. And guess what came up?
0: Nothing except for like, oh, have you thought about being a tutor? And so when I finally ended up outside of the classroom and I was working in these companies, teachers still were coming up to me like, wait, you said you're a former teacher. How did you get out And that's really like why I wanted to start Teacher Career Coach is because at that time, moments before COVID, it was still very taboo to even acknowledge that it was okay for a teacher to choose something else. Like, no one wanted to talk about it.
1: So today on the show, Daphne's going to give Sarah and Amy, and anyone looking to leave a calling, some concrete advice for figuring out what's next out loud, no whispers necessary. So don't go anywhere.
4: This episode is brought to you by Defender. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design.
0: Subject to
5: credit approval. Terms apply.
1: If you're contemplating leaving a calling, like Amy and Sarah, it's important to diagnose the problem first so you can be sure to find the right cure. Start by asking yourself a couple of questions, like, do you think different resources or responsibilities would help you enjoy work again? What specifically drains you of motivation? And what specifically energizes you? And maybe most importantly, if nothing changes in a year or five years, how would that feel? Sarah and Amy, you've both decided that you'd like to leave. Maybe I'll start with you, Amy. Have you have you applied to other jobs? How are you feeling about it right now?
2: I took time first to make sure I wasn't on impulse of like, this is just bad. Mm. I wrote down a list to like, okay, like, why do I think I need to leave? Why do I think I need to stay? What are my pro, like, you know, the old fashioned pro cons list just to like, make sure I was really thinking this through and not acting on emotion. Um, I've gone through and looked at resources, particularly for teachers to see like, okay, what do I need to do to, you know, what, first of all, what are the transferable skills I can bring over? Do I need to go back to school? I kind of went through, rewrote my resume. And just, you know, applied and made it look like, you know, yes, I'm an educator, but I also did all these things. Because some places have said like, oh, we're not hiring educators because of like poor experiences. And I'm like, okay, fair. But yeah, that's what I've done. Wait,
1: okay. So um,
2: (laughs) do you know, what do they mean? They just made it seem as if maybe there was too much of an onboarding or learning curve huh. or like the edu- or like the individuals decided to go back to the classroom and then they had to do the whole hiring process again within like 2 or 3 months
1: huh that's interesting cuz on the one hand i mean you could imagine teaching being an incredible boot camp for almost any stressful job that requires intellectual and psychosocial resilience but when you just said that, you said, I know I'm coming from education, but I've done other things, you know, um, which reflects, I think how we look at this, um, which is sort of, ah, heartbreaking. Um, Sarah, where are you at? What, what have you, what have you done so far? Have you looked around? Have you applied anywhere? How's it going?
3: It is going poorly. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so the first thing I did at the beginning of the year was I told everyone in my life that this was going to be my last year teaching, um, okay. including, uh, like, my boss and people at work. Um, okay, so you were out of the closet. I, I was out. Um, I mean, and someone said, you've said that for the past three years. <laughs> but like, this is the year. Anyway, like, spoiler, it's May. I don't have a job. Um, <laughs> okay. But... So I live outside, um, a very large metropolitan area, um, that has like a ton of universities. And that is sort of where I, I think for years have, have wanted to work, um, in some sort of university environment. Um, so I just trolled, um, higher ed jobs and the, the job listings for the local universities and kind of was like looking down the job requirements and was like, good communication skills, got it. Can balance multiple responsibilities, got it. I have, you know, I have professional writing experience and just sent out, I mean, I'm not going to say like the most resumes, but I've been sort of consistently applying and I've heard nothing except for like, you know, those like once they finally fill the position. (sighs) So it sounds frustrating. it is frustrating, you know, when you were talking before about how teaching is not valued and deprofessionalized it it makes me worry that like that's getting into the heads of hiring managers um, that you know they don't see teachers as intellectuals with skills
1: and and that's that's part of the problem. Daphne, how can we make people see how incredibly, valuable this experience is. And what do you think of what Sarah and Amy have said so far about what they've, what they've done?
0: So this is like a normal step of the, um, the entire process is exactly where Sarah and Amy are. And, uh, the first thing that I'm going to say, I hope I don't come across like the bad guy But I work with a lot of hiring managers. So a lot of what I'm going to talk about is going to be from the hiring manager's perspective. Oh, good. That's good. Yeah. So the first thing that I want to say is that many hiring managers see the value in teachers. There are companies that are hiring former teachers for so many things. So I don't want you to ever think that you are not valued and experienced. But the main thing that has to happen is you have to learn about your unique value and how you're going to stand out about the other teachers who are applying for the same positions. Because not every teacher is going to be a unique fit for every position. Not every teacher is bilingual, or not every teacher created all their own curriculum, or not every teacher was on the yearbook committee. And some of those skills are going to help you stand out for other positions And so that's where it's really down to you making sure you understand the positions you're applying for, and you're really um, making sure that your resume is translated for the very specific roles so that you can show your unique value to hiring managers
1: for those types of positions. Here's our first insight. Think creatively about what skills you've gained from doing your job that might be distinct from other teachers. Or other firefighters, or whatever the labor of love is. Think about what sets you apart. It's also important to get very
0: specific. Teachers are applying and they're just using kind of the same generic classroom to corporate, like they're they're putting in some corporate-sounding verbiage, but they're not going above and beyond and saying, like, okay, I'm applying for an editing position. How many hours of editing have I done? Like what district wide resources have I actually edited myself? Did I edit a website? Have I edited the yearbook showcasing how much they've done in that very specific skill? And they're kind of removing the rest of it that's not relevant for that role. So if you're applying for a role that has nothing to do with um, curriculum writing or anything like that you may want to take off a lot of that part of your resume and just focus on anytime you were collaborating with your team or managing new teachers and things that you were doing beyond just
1: teaching students. Mm, and I love this idea of quantifying it, right? Like you said, how many hours have you spent editing? So if you, if you both added up the amount of hours you've spent grading essays and giving feedback to the students, that is editing, right? <laughs> so like, That would be a cool number, right? That would be an impressive number. And so you're sort of saying, break it down and be very specific and targeted, it sounds like. Maybe it would be helpful to even back up from that and say, Daphne, I mean, are there sort of categories of jobs where teachers really do seem to thrive? Or can you not generalize like that?
0: Oh, no, that you can absolutely (laughs) see the trends. We've worked with thousands of teachers who have transitioned out of the classroom. So the first bucket is um, for teachers who are not as burnt out. Sometimes they're more likely to want to still work with students because not every teacher is going to have the same experience. Some teachers, I call them like Mary Poppins teachers. That's not an insult because I love Mary Poppins. But the Mary Poppins teachers might say like, I'm still looking to do something where I get to work with children. And that might be working at a nonprofit that works with students or a like museum education program. It could be training people who are in charge of daycare facilities or in a managerial position. Anywhere that you see someone working with students, you would have the experience to be able to help them learn how to best control groups of students when they're Mm -hmm. going on tours. There's also education programs inside of hospitals as well. Um, That nonprofit space can be huge. It doesn't have to be necessarily just working with students. There are a lot of people who work in DEI spaces. There are people who work with the unhoused population. So I know that um, I think, Sarah, you were saying you wanted to do something that was intrinsically motivating And so that might be a good direction to look. The next bucket is um, for teachers who are looking to work in like technology companies, but specifically education companies. This could be customer success roles, sales roles. It could be uh, professional development training or instructional design. There's a lot of different people who really want to work with products that they understand, if they're taking this like leap into the unknown, like corporate feels a little strange, they're able to go into an education company as a subject matter expert. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then the last bucket, anything in learning development, so corporate trainer, instructional design. So basically what you were doing, Amy, with your COVID pandemic teaching when it was troubleshooting how to get on Zoom, but that is your full-time role is just like implementing and figuring out how to get all the systems set up and everyone understands how to use a program. Um, And even executive assistants and office managers, all of these roles, I feel like it's so easy to get stuck with just the job title itself, because teacher has a very clear identity with it. And it has this like really big emotional reaction. You remember good teachers, you know who you wanna be as a teacher. And then you hear these words like customer success manager or project manager or UX designer, and it's foreign and it sounds kind of cold. All of these roles are ways that you can still impact other people, even customer success managers and people in sales sometimes aren't as pushy as I feel like teachers may make the inference of. So I feel like once you get on the other side and start to look back, you're able to say like, oh, this is how I still feel like I'm a Mm, teacher mm. in this new role, no matter what it is. But it's hard to see when you're first getting
1: started. Here's our next insight. Try to pinpoint what still gets you excited about the job. Is it working with other people? Is it The content? Is it helping others make progress? Find that spark and go from there. Many, many jobs require some form of teaching or putting out fires, metaphorically, of course. Okay, we're going to take another quick break. Don't go anywhere.
5: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.
1: We're back with Daphne Gomez, host of the Teaching Career Coach podcast and Courses, and Amy and Sarah, two high school English teachers who are both looking to make a change. Maybe, Amy, I could ask you, what is a piece of your job, one piece? You don't have to give everything, right? But one piece that feels like you get energy from doing still.
2: This is going to sound strange. I still love doing all of it. Just not the volume. <laughs> so if I could just have the capacity, like just at a at the capacity it's supposed to be, hmm. I'd be fine. Hmm. You know? But if I had to pick one thing, I would definitely say it's the it's the like the learning and interaction aspect, building relationships with individuals.
1: Daphne, so hearing that, what stands out to you about what might be transferable there? There are multiple paths that I feel like she
0: can definitely take. But the first thing that came to mind for me, how would you feel about going into like learning and development or training when it came to working at a company and helping new hires, like onboarding people, doing corporate training of some sort? Would that still light you up? When I hear
2: corporate, I get nervous, (laughs) Uh, you know, because you're like
0: picturing very clickety
2: clacky yeah (laughs) um but I think I think that would be great because you're helping someone you're not giving them a hand out you're giving them a hand up to be you know to where they want to go so I think that would be a great adventure
0: yeah I think that's part of like why it's so hard too Is like you don't If you went into teaching, especially that's like your first quote unquote career, you don't have exposure to like corporate environments. It feels very foreign and scary. I was in the exact same boat when I left. Um, I think it would be really interesting to... Here, if you've talked to other people like friends of yours about what their role is and um started to like explore what their company does like what the company culture is to kind of dip your toe in and feel out what a corporate environment really is
2: um a lot of my friends are teacher
0: friends so,
5: <laughs> totally yeah, common. a little hard
2: <laughs> yeah but um But, you know, they have either a spouse or a family member or another acquaintance that they've connected with. And it varies. Some of them are like, you know, my corporate culture is very relaxed. We really have this like inviting atmosphere. And some of them have said that, you know, since because a corporation is very old, we're very much like by the book and, you know, the seasoned employees and very old school. So it's been very interesting to hear the wide variety within corporate, just as we have wide variety within education.
1: Sarah, I want to bring you in here and ask what you're thinking about when you think about one piece of this, this complicated job with a lot of moving parts and a lot of different skills. What's one piece of it that does still energize you? Oh, gosh.
3: Um, so I I'm also the the journalism and the newspaper advisor. Um
1: and that has been sort of like a new thing that I've taken on.
3: Um and that's just been like so much fun. <laughs>
1: that's cool. So I wonder, Daphne, does anything come to mind when you hear Sarah say that? With her experience, it feels
0: and Sarah, you can correct me if I'm wrong here. It sounds like you also thrive with like leading a team and like project management. So I'm curious if you've looked into or heard of like project manager roles, or if you would even be interested in like starting out with a marketing position and trying to work into more of like a managerial position in marketing.
3: Yeah, so I have seen project manager roles. Of course, you know, you look at the job listings, and it's like you need a degree or a certification or something there. Um, Yeah, I mean, I do think that is something that I could – do with lots of moving
0: parts is that what a project manager does (laughs) um yeah it's basically they're in charge of like large projects (laughs) and making sure everybody's moving towards the same goal figuring out what people need figuring out if there's something that's not necessarily like going up to the right date but project management is one of the ones that yes you would want to potentially go I think there's like a Google certification for it that you can take
3: you know I'm always I've been leery of of putting out extra money in a job search Um, that always I'm like I I have enough degrees now um and I just I want to make sure that if I'm going to cough up some money for a certification or you know upskilling or whatever, that it's it's going to be worth it. I guess you'll never really know unless you do it.
1: It's really hard to imagine going back to school, especially if, like Sarah, you've already got over a decade of work experience plus a college degree or two. It feels overwhelming and really expensive. But it's worth double-checking anyway. For example, Project management training can cost anywhere from $300 to $3,000. And a good class could help you figure out if that career is really for you.
0: You want to have this um, reassurance that any time you put towards this is going to like definitely equal a new job at the end of it. And that uncertainty holds so many people back. But I would recommend at least... Picking one or two paths that you're interested in, maybe trying to do, um, find interviews with people, the teacher career coach podcast. We have so many former teachers, over a hundred episodes of different roles. And then going on like LinkedIn learning, using uh, your library card, you can get a free month of LinkedIn learning and just taking a couple courses Hmm. on it just to get your hands dirty because the hardest part is seeing these roles, understanding what they do And then being able to articulate that on a resume or in an interview um, without doing that extra work. And sometimes you assume you're going to like something, and then once you kind of get your hands dirty, you realize it stinks. Like, Mm. I don't like blog writing, but I like search engine optimization, which is something that you could have never told me that um, Mm. five years ago. But it took a lot of me actually trying things to realize, like, oh, I... Guess I like analyzing and tracking data more than I thought.
1: Yeah, it's like you have to taste test it like a little sampler platter before you can know, right, what you're going to really vibe with.
0: Yeah, that's the hardest part for teachers is because they don't get to have the exposure to the different departments. They're stuck kind of in this education bubble. And so it is really challenging. Um, It will take some time. To really do some soul searching and to actually take just like even watching YouTube tutorials of different, um, different like day in the lives that can be really helpful. But just making sure that you're taking the time to really understand a role before disregarding it. Mm -hmm. um, And then before, you know,
1: putting any money into it either. I'm convinced that you both will use teaching no matter what you do. So the teacher, the highly effective teacher that I had profiled for the Atlantic, he is now a real estate agent and he's often selling to individuals who have never bought a home before. And what he found is he was having to show them like 10 or 20 houses before they would make a decision just because there's a lot they didn't know about what to look for, you know what was their priority. Um, there was a lot they didn't know about the process of applying for a mortgage. He didn't want them to make the same mistakes he had made. Um, as a young teacher when he bought his first place. So what did he do? He created a class. So now if you hire him to help you find a house, you take a really fun, really useful, well-taught, high-quality class with him um, online that helps you prioritize what matters most to you and figure out how to get a mortgage without getting um, taken advantage of and then you can go look at houses much more efficiently. But I just loved how he still took that skill set. It just bugged him. Like it bugged him and it would bug you that, that like there was so much they didn't know and he wanted to help them and he wanted to do it quickly and effectively. And so he did. Um, and so that I think shows how you will find a way to adapt this eventually. Teachers and other public service professionals also think a lot about job security. That's something they're giving up if they go into the private sector. And it's not a small thing. Teaching is definitely the job that I have held on to the longest, obviously. And I just have this
3: fear that if you don't, you know, have tenure or whatever, that you go into a job and you're going to like immediately like get laid off or get fired. I know this is not rational, but I just feel like they're in the corporate world or anything that's not, you know, a public school district that there's such job insecurity. And I think
1: that's rational. Okay. Daphne, what are you, <laughs>
3: Like I mean, you know, she's not I, wrong. I don't
1: be normal.
3: So right. help me.
0: <laughs> no, this is so normal. Tenure is this like one of those like golden handcuff things that they're like, oh everything else is total chaos out there. But let's think about it in like a worst case scenario. Worst case scenario, if you do leave and you go to a different job and you do get laid off would you be able to go back to teaching? Would you be able to use that specific role that you took and have that on your resume and you'd already gotten your foot in the door so you have different skills? And then you also would have a brand new network of people beyond the classroom who have different corporate connections that may be able to help you get a role as well. So the people who did lose their jobs are going to have an easier time making that second pivot But it's that's important for you and your family and your loved ones to have those types of conversations about what would happen if that worst case scenario did happen to you. And would you be able to figure it out from that point? But it's also important to ask yourself, like, is that fear worth it? Are you going to regret not trying because of that fear?
3: Yeah, I mean, I mean, 100%. Yes, I guess the answer to that is, yes, a fear of change and a fear of instability is has It's what has led me to this point. Um, And everything you said, right, it's absolutely correct. You meet new people in your new job. And the top of your resume is no longer English teacher. Um, And I think that's just something, yeah, it's a conversation I'm going to have to have with my family and well, we'll figure it out.
0: a big problem that people have is like what if the next job sucks? Like what if it's worse than where I'm at? So for me, one way I always like doing things numerically to like help bring the emotion out of it. And I think Amy said she did a pros and cons list, which is one of my favorite strategies. But I thought about like how unhappy am I in my teaching career? I was not well. Like for me, I was mentally not well. I was physically not well. So I was like at a 2. So even if that first role outside of the classroom was a 4, that's progress in the right direction. It's not ideal, but things outside the classroom are also not your forever career. You can wait, you know, 12 months. If you can if you can stay put in that role for 12 months, can you change to a different department? Can you start to look for roles but not in this like teeny tiny application window? There are ways to mitigate those risks, but you're the only person who can make the decision of whether or not it's worth it.
2: My concern is that once once I transition into a different role outside the classroom, I'm concerned that I may be biting off more than I can chew, um, that I get into the role and it's more of a learning curve than I anticipated. Um, So do you have any strategies how to mitigate that so that you are successful in the new role?
0: This is such a good question and it breaks my heart because I... um, struggled with this so much. I, when I left, I immediately got this really cool position. It was as a um, professional learning development trainer um, for a fortune 500 company. And I emailed or text messaged only my closest colleagues, but on a regular basis where I was like, am I going to get fired? Like I'm not good. And that's part of just being like the career, low career self-esteem, just from being devalued from so many people um, in your teaching profession. Like, especially, I know it sounds like you have a lot of parents who are maybe not very kind to you right now. And so they're making you feel less than. Here's what I can tell you about different former teachers that I've talked to, and their experiences with imposter syndrome and what helped them feel a little bit more confident. First, um, most companies are going to have an onboarding program with like 30, 60, 90 day uh, training, which means that they're not every company, like startups are not going to be as streamlined. But most people say, I expect you to learn X by this date. And then teachers always reach out to me and they're like, it was so clear what i was supposed to do there <laughs> but i you know as a teacher i was kind of thrown to the wolves and just left to figure it out on my own devices so i'm so i felt so supported in this type of environment knowing exactly what i was supposed to know during that time but i take it that you know you are a forever learner so you're going to probably be passionate and maybe learn a tiny bit more during that time frame just to feel extra confident cuz most teachers are overachievers when it comes to that type of stuff. You are right now, I can't imagine how many students. I'm going to say like 120. I don't know how many students you work with as a high school English teacher. How many is that, Amy? Um
2: over 200 right now.
0: <gasps> My brain just exploded. You have 200 basically little little adults that you are a manager for. That's 200 tiny little decisions. Any role that you put your mind to outside of this is probably going to start feeling easier, but you have to continue to give yourself the grace that you are starting fresh at this thing. So you're not going to be an expert in it at the first, you know, in the first few months, but you have... Done something that's really truly incredible and really challenging, and most people would not be able to do. So whatever the next thing is, is going to be really a breeze for you once you're able to put your full, you know, heart into it.
1: Yeah. No, I think in fact that would be a good thing to put on your resume. Amy Um, manage two hundred teenagers on a daily basis. Like, really? You gonna beat that? Is there anything harder than that?
3: <laughs> Amy, can I just jump in for a se- Sorry. I just like my jaw, I picked it up off the ground after you said 200 kids. Um, if you are managing 200 kids a day, grading 200 papers and pieces of homework, dealing with 200 personalities, um, I, I, I'm i sorry, you could, it just irks me that you could think that you could do not do anything. I don't know. Like, you, there's such capacity there. I, I have an awe. Also, I'm so sorry.
2: Look, <laughs> Look I know it's it, it's not ideal to have over 200. And my situation is, you know, it is what it is. Uh, my, my first background is not education. And it was very much of a, like you said, here you go, learn on the job, mm-hmm. which is what they do with a lot of individuals.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I just
2: wanted to ask because
1: yeah, no, it's a, it's a good question for any career change. Right. And I think, I know you like books. So one book you might want to check out, um, is called the first 90 days about a transition to a new job that can just be a helpful way to kind of systematically set yourself up for a softer landing than you're worried about. Um, I'm so grateful for the time that you gave us. Thank you, Daphne, for your wisdom. We know there's a lot we didn't get to and a lot that is in your podcast, and we will definitely send people there on the show notes. Um, Thank you, Sarah, for joining us. Thank you, Amy, for joining us. And thank you for the work that you're doing and the work that you will do. And we really hope that you will keep in touch with us and let us know how it's going.
3: Thank you so much. It's a lot of stuff that I needed to hear. Um, And it also nice to hear from another person who is in a similar position
2: yeah thank you it was good to have a strong support network and really just be reaffirmed
1: if you're a teacher looking for even more advice we'll share a link to Daphne Gomez's podcast in the show notes we'll also link to some of our other past episodes on transitioning to a new career There's a lot of great tips. What about the rest of you? Do you have a career you need to change or a fire you need to put out? Send us a note at howto at slate.com or leave us a voicemail at 646-495-4001. We'd love to have you on the show. If you like what you heard today, please share this two-part series with a friend, perhaps even a fellow teacher. We want to help as many people as possible. How To's executive producer is Derek John. Rosemary Belson and Kevin Bendis produced this episode. Merit Jacob is senior technical director. Charles Duhigg created the show. Carvel Wallace is my co-host. I'm Amanda Ripley. Thanks for listening.